because I legitimately oh. like was freaking out because I thought I was like going deaf live. So <laughs> I'm like, does that like, happen? Why does he look so panicked? Yeah. I'm like, am I dying? Um, anyways. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Phil. It's Hardcore Football. Mika, you join me as always. Mika, what's up? Not much, Phil. How are you doing? Uh, good. Weird, weird Sunday, if I'm being honest. Uh, <laughs> we don't normally record on Sunday, so it's it's nice to to get this little like early evening, late afternoon recording session. Um but it's yes. a, it's for like kind of strange reason too i think i mean the last time we hopped on the mic it was because like the powers that be tried to destroy the sport yeah <laughs> now <laughs> oh man just one one normal day of football yeah. never happened <laughs> in the words of antonio conte <laughs> um yeah i mean let's tell the people what happened cuz we got we got a question on it yeah, yeah, we can uh, we can dive right in. Uh, hopefully, for those of you finding us for the first time, uh, this is going to be a little bit different of an episode, I guess, than normal because we got some breaking news uh, that everybody's been dealing with most of the day, um, especially those fans of the Premier League. But um, hopefully, you will find the time to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to, and you can follow us on Twitter at HXC Football. Um, but without further ado. We got the question from our resident United fan. I know there are a few United fans who listen to the pod, but none more vocal on Twitter than one at Cool Fernie, who just asked thoughts on the scenes at Old Trafford. And I mean, (laughs) what scenes they were. What scenes they were. Yeah. Like I was telling Phil before we started recording, I set my alarm for the Arsenal match because it was going to start at 7 a.m. my time. Uh, I set my alarm for 6 p.m., so I failed to wake up in time. <laughs> but when I finally did wake up, it was it was like 7.15, and I just hop on my iPad, and Arsenal is playing on one side of my screen, and Old Trafford is, like, burning on the other side. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, b- major scenes at Old Trafford this morning as Manchester United fans protested broke into the ground prior to what was supposed to be you know the biggest match in English football arguably kicking off the Northwest Derby Manchester United hosting Liverpool and that did not come to pass because it looked like I would say hundreds maybe in the thousands of fans were outside of the stadium Uh, quite a few of them broke into the stadium yeah um you know some petty vandalism here and there throwing equipment and running from the police and all this kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, obviously the the aftershocks, I guess you could say, of the Super League are, are still being felt, but I think a lot of this protest, too, was just in general against uh, the ownership of the Glazers Yeah, uh, at Manchester United, who have owned United since 2005, I believe. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, United fans, I, I, I guess, are, or a section of United fans, at least, are clearly... Uh, fed up and chose to go and show it today um, before the biggest match in, in the country. Yeah, it the timing seems seems well thought out, I guess, by uh, by the fans who carried it out. The 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 scenes themselves, 
come after a couple of other days during this week of uh, protests, fan protests for United. So first was outside Old Trafford, um, you know, not tied to a match day. And then apparently I hadn't even heard this, but apparently some Manchester United fans entered Carrington, their training, their training facility um, this week as well. In, I did hear about that, but that feels like it was already like 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I did hear about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Have, they, they wouldn't leave until he spoke to them, which is yeah. problematic, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. So um, these scenes, it seems like it's been building to this um, mm. or, or something like this. Uh, I think given... Liverpool and Man- Manchester United's involvement in the Super League, it was always likely that this sort of tie would be the the crux or like the center of any sort of protest movement. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone foresaw fans breaking into and, you know, whatever people are saying, storming, um, you know, Old Trafford. Um, <laughs> I think it's just a carryover from obviously like January 6th, which is a much different thing. And I just want to get out ahead of like, I'm not equating them at all because it's just not, they're not the same thing. Um, right. But the, the scenes themselves, I think it's really tough. And I think a conversation we had on Twitter is like, kind of sums it up where, you know, yeah. I, w- I was saying that like a lot of Americans are really quick to take the side of the billionaire in any of this sort of where it's like, Oh, well, you know, this isn't the way to do things and like the petty vandalism and all this stuff. But you made a good point as well, talking about how, you know, it's going to be a working class person that cleans it up and the stewards are the ones who are going to get in trouble ultimately, you know, for this. Um, So, it's really not punishing the people that it's meant to punish um, in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I guess it just kind of uh, it, it shows that this is a really tough situation because the goal of the protest obviously was to bring attention to the fact that they are disgruntled and fans don't feel represented by the Glazers and their ownership and don't feel like they're being good stewards of the club but the way in which they had to get people's attention was ultimately damaging to property and it was trespassing and it was unlawful. Mm. So it's a, it's a weird dichotomy where it's like they, a lot of people I think will say their hand was forced because no one was paying attention to them. And on the other hand, they were still technically in the wrong because they broke the law and, you know, caused like this general unrest in Manchester. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great summary of kind of the the diversity of feeling that you can have on this issue. Um, yeah, I mean, going back to the conversation you and I had earlier, Phil, I think it's okay, I think, to have nuanced takes on this, to be like, look, fans are fans should uh, be encouraged to to use their voices and to come, you know, to come together and 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 try to take a stand on what they think is, is what's wrong at Manchester United and at all these clubs um, that, that took part in, in this super league stuff, but specifically, you know, United and their issue with the Glazers is longstanding yeah. uh, United fans, I should say. Um, but yeah, it is tough when I, for me personally, when I think like, you know, I see people destroying stuff and, you know, 
would would I do that personally? Probably not, but I can see why they are doing it because it, it gets your attention. I mean, NBCSN had, you know, like an hour's worth of coverage on this. I could barely even watch the Arsenal match because it was just split screen the entire time. So yeah. is it right? Maybe not. Um, you know, that's a normative question, but it certainly does get the attention. And I think you made a great point earlier to me, Phil, is that they're trying to say this is not the way to go about things, but yet they're giving it the coverage that they clearly we're trying to get and yeah. so maybe it is maybe it's not right quote unquote morally or however you you know however you want to take that but it's effective that's for damn sure and uh yeah. I, I i don't think that um now does that mean that it's actually going to force the glazers out force them to sell I, I don't know i don't think so i think um i mean it's surely unique i think in 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 their ownership this kind of response um, from the fans. And honestly, I think also the other part of this is the pandemic. I mean, I think that this has, this has been building. I think fans just needed a reason to come together because they've been, you know, not allowed to attend matches for over a year now. And yeah. human nature says that we want to be together. We're social creatures, you know? And, and again, I'm by no means am I downplaying the pandemic. I mean, it's, it's a serious thing. I yeah. myself had COVID-19, like, you know, yeah. my, my family did. So it's, it's, it's serious still. And it's still something we should be thinking about, but I think it's just natural that this happened. The fans just needed a reason to come together. And, um, you know, it's made all the more worse by the fact that these owners are using the guise of the pandemic and all the financial fallout from it to do these backdoor deals and, and screw over the fans ultimately and not take right. them into account. So um, maybe on a policy level, it might be a reason to introduce fans back into the stands because, I mean, these type of things might continue to happen. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I'm just kind of, you know, I, I just think that that's a natural kind of consequence of not being allowed at the ground is you just need a reason to come together, whether that's to attend a match or not. So <laughs> I saw it, I saw it an interesting and I, it obviously it's meant in jest, but I saw a, a funny tweet from a, from a Liverpool fan um, and said, you know, it is at the end of the day, it is just nice to see fans back in the sta- stadium. Like, and it's meant as a joke, obviously, <laughs> but yeah. Like there is an element of, you know, if, if United fans had been allowed to attend this match, would the protest have taken place in the form of banners in the form of like flags? Would we have seen kind of the, um, you know, the yellow and green, like sea of yellow and green in the anti-glazer protests, like, would that have been a form of expression that ultimately like when you're keeping the fans locked out like this and they feel like they're not even part of their own club, um, it just maybe further leads to that feeling of separation and that feeling of, of just disconnection. Yeah. Just being locked out literally like physically locked out of the stadium um, can just add to that. Maybe. Um, Yeah. It's a very think, odd situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm not a public health expert, but I mean, is it time like to like do something allow, you know, I mean, yeah. they did have that kind of test test match, I guess, for the uh, was it the Carabao Cup final? They had they had fans and that was nice. And mm-hmm. I don't know what findings came of that, but right. 
you know, maybe that's a step in the right direction. I know in Spain, they're having, you know, Spain where they've had a bad outbreak, um, you know, like many parts of Southern Italy, I think in Galicia, they're having fans. I think Celta Vigo had some fans for a lot of the match. I know Deportivo had fans in, in their, in their game, their latest game. So I don't know if they're going like province by province or whatever, but, yeah. um, yeah, I just feel like the fans just they just need a reason to get together right now. And if it's not going to be at a football match, then they're going to do this. And, you know, that's a lot more like uncontrolled than if you had like an X amount of people coming to a stadium and spaced out and all this. Like, right. There, you can exercise a bit more control on that. But, yeah, it's shocking scenes. <laughs> the- and I, I suppose I don't blame them in some ways. The match, as you said, was postponed between United and Liverpool and uh, Manchester United made the following statement saying following discussion between the police, the Premier League, Trafford Council and the clubs, our match against Liverpool has been postponed due to safety and security considerations around the protests today. Discussions will now take place with the Premier League on a revised date for the fixture. Our fans are passionate about Manchester United and we completely acknowledge the right to free expression and peaceful protest. However, we regret the disruption to the team and actions which put other fans, staff, and the police in danger. We thank the police for their support and will assist them in any subsequent investigations. Um, Not a whole lot unsurprising about a statement like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But the revised date for the fixture is a little bit of a sticking point, given the fact that there's not much time to actually get this fixture played. There's not a lot of days that make sense for <laughs> between uh, United's European uh, adventures and and finishing out this Premier League season on time for, you know, the the competitions in the summer. Oh, come on. I'm back. <laughs> what happened? Did your it's just, do that thing again? Where it yeah, shuts down? We're just takes the internet offline for no reason. Like, I have no idea. That's so strange. But I finished my complete thought, so it'll be easy to edit at least. Okay. You were saying the revised date for the fixture is, and then that's when I... Well, that's what they haven't, they haven't decided yet. So, um, there isn't much time Mm -hmm. to actually play this fixture, uh, before the summer and before the end of the season. And with your, uh, the Europa league for United as well. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, and then the other part of this that we hadn't acknowledged is the fact that a, a lot of these clubs, maybe maybe not, maybe even all of them were protesting social media use. So they couldn't even like, yeah. <laughs> like shape the narrative at all while this was going on. I just, so, I just imagine, so I imagine like a social media intern just being like shaking, like, trying not to tweet about (laughs) (laughs) oh man um the other the other implication of this is the fact that manchester united are currently second in the league and manchester city having won against crystal palace on saturday um two nil could have clinched the title with a united loss to liverpool um Mm. and we'll have to wait until until United get this match played um, to confirm whether or not they're champions. So a, a, a few implications in this one, although the city champion thing is is little more than a formality. Um, 
But we do know that the chase for top four is still fully on in the Premier League. And it is really the the noteworthy thing worth talking about. Um, It was given a little bit of life by the fact that Leicester City dropped points against a 10-man Southampton. um, And that 1-1 draw leaves them just two points ahead of Chelsea uh, who are in fourth and Tottenham um, in fifth are now seven points back of Leicester. So still catchable. Um, Big win the Foxes for Spurs today. Yeah. Big win. Uh, Gareth Bale hat trick. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Spurs keeping pace um, and Sheffield United, unfortunately the, the victims of a beating once again, and just another, another in a long list of, bad losses uh, for the blades on their tour of the premier league before being unceremoniously dumped back into the championship. Right. Yeah. Um, Chelsea though, uh, with a two nil win over Fulham, not a hugely impressive win uh, for, for the blues, but again, keeping pace and it keeps Chelsea fourth um, with Spurs chasing. Um, So, the the big uh or a big game um in this chase for top four aside from the United Liverpool match because obviously Liverpool currently on fifty four points still have an outside chance of of catching Chelsea uh, if they have a minor implosion um, but <laughs> with uh, with five games left to play for Liverpool um, they yeah they sit eight sorry, seven points back of Chelsea in fourth. Um, so they can reduce the gap with a win over Manchester United. They could reduce it to just four points um, with still four games to play. So um, still an outside chance of making top four if they get that win over United. But the other team that has a say in this is West Ham who play Burnley tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, right. Yeah, they could jump. They could jump back up into the Champions League places, uh, or well, now they can't actually. Um, that the that loss against Newcastle was a real hammer blow, um, and now they can only get they can Did get you do back that on within... purpose. <laughs> they can get back within three points of Chelsea, though. Um, so with a win over Burnley. Yeah. <laughs> So top four, do you think, do you think the current top four hang on or do you think one of these chasing teams is able to, is able to get in there? Mm, I think they probably hang on. I think Chelsea are in a good moment right now. It looks like Kai Havertz is finally clicking a little bit, showing up on the score sheet. Team of runners finishing continues to be shocking, but uh, I think they've got enough around in that squad and Thomas Tuchel is, is, has made them pretty solid. So I think it'll probably stay the same. I mean, it's the the Premier League is one of the, in my opinion, like the least interesting leagues this season. Um, Now, at least where we're getting down to, to, you know, the business end. So um, yeah, I think, I think that those four, I'd I'd be, I'd bet on that. I think. Yeah. Um, no, I I do think they're in a strong position now. Um, and as we look just kind of at the the games in the run in, Chelsea do still have to play City, but if City mm-hmm. have the title locked up, 
that could be, I mean, we saw last year with Liverpool, they became a little bit of a charity case at the end of the season, uh, <laughs> after they had, had clinched the title. Um, Spurs have to play Leeds next week. Liverpool have, have Southampton, um, West Ham plays Everton. So there's still some interesting matchups. Leicester still have to play United, uh, Chelsea and Arsenal play, uh, in a couple of, couple of weeks. So still some interesting matchups and, and, uh, you know, still some chances for some of these teams to stumble, but they have put themselves in a pretty decent position here, especially with the struggles of the teams, you know, in the chasing pack. Yeah. I would say if there's any one of the four right now that w- might stumble, I think it actually would be Lester. I think, uh, even though they're above Chelsea right now, I, I trust Chelsea a little bit more. So, well, that's, I mean, that's basically what everybody's watching in England. Now there's a little bit of a eye on the bottom of the table. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's becoming a little bit more clear. I think, um, who's yeah. going down, unfortunately for Sheffield United, Fulham and, uh, West Brom. West but, Brom. yeah. Um, yeah. Premier league remains somewhat uninteresting, but We do have another piece of breaking news from today and a big piece of news from Italy. Inter Milan win their first Serie A title in 11 years. Um, It ends Juve's nine-year stranglehold on the competition. Um, And Antonio Conte's side, uh, by virtue of uh, Sassuolo's 1-1 draw with second place Atalanta, uh, clinch clinch it for the Nerazzurri. The Scudetto is headed back to Milan. Um, big, big achievement for for this Inter Milan side. Yeah, absolutely massive. And, uh, you know, Fernie asked again, how big is Inter winning the league? And it really cannot be overstated how huge it is, both for them and for Italian football. I mean, just absolute scenes at the Duomo. Yeah. And I think there were a lot of factors in this and we want I think you and I agree we want to give it some time on the pod because yeah. Juventus man nine straight Scudetti and that's that's over now they couldn't make the 10 they 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 did a Celtic <laughs> <laughs> it's it is huge because I think Serie A was losing its luster for a lot of people um given the hegemony I, I think there's similar conversations happening around the Bundesliga right now with Bayern you know kind of having having a stranglehold on that competition of their own so yeah another side breaking it and in a season where for a while it wasn't really clear who the best team was um and Inter only emerged as the best team within I would say like the second half um, mm-hmm. as AC Milan set the pace towards the beginning of the season um, and Juve hung around in there. Juve was obviously like pretty poor for, for stretches, um, but it wasn't really clear who it was going to be. And so for Inter to really grab the title race and seize this opportunity of, of Juve's kind of downslope, but not just in a, and I don't mean any disrespect to these teams, but not in a Leicester sort of way where they just took advantage of a weak league and, you know, won the title with like 75 points. Inter Milan, like 
the second half of the season have been absolutely dominant in, in carrying out this, this chase for, for the, for the Serie A title. And it's been really impressive the manner in which they've actually gone about it with some, some really big wins um, in there for, for Antonio Conte. And, and I think the emergence of a couple like really key pieces in his squad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say let's start with the man, uh, you know, on the touchline, Antonio Conte, obviously he was hired in May, 2019. Um, Serial winner yeah. has to be said has won titles everywhere he's coached. Body he won Serie B, Juventus three, I think three Serie A titles. Chelsea, of course, he won the league in his first season. Yep. Um, and he's done it again at Inter, winning a title. Um, obviously an incredible pickup for the club. I think they wanted someone who was a winner, wanted somebody Italian, check check, um, and someone that can work with all manner of players, um, you know, stars, young players, uh, different tactical setups. And he's always been good at working with what he's got, but, but by also showing the board that he's worth investing in. And I think that was, those are the two like big things I think is Conte and, and the investment because Inter have under the ownership of Suning real estate and, you know, the chairman, Stephen Jang, who's 29, <laughs> like yeah. you're literally <laughs> the same age. It still blows my mind every time, but the investment's been incredible. Obviously, the the crown jewel at Inter's Romelu Lukaku mm-hmm. club record fee, I think sixty like seven million pounds for him from Manchester United, and then other pieces: Christian Eriksen, Ashraf Hakimi, Nicolo Barella, Stefano Sensi. Mm-hmm. You know, squad pieces too, like um, Arturo Vidal and and Darmian and Alexis Sanchez. I mean, they, they've really overhauled the squad and yeah. and. and um, and and I think it, I think a coach like Conte deserved that that deserved that level of investment. Clearly, I mean yeah. it's paid off now. Um, I mean Inter, it has to be said, are now in a little bit of financial trouble, but I think that's not you know exclusive to them because of the pandemic, unfortunately. But right. I think those two things are really the keys here to to why they were able to um, win this Serie A title for their first one in eleven years. Like you said, it's a huge achievement, and um, I think now. The question is what next? Because I think there's more from this inter side. I mean, even in, in, in Conte's first season, they made the Europa League final. Um, yeah. So, and, and finished second. So, I mean, they're, they're not, they weren't mugs in that season either. So yeah. I think, um, I think the next thing for them probably is just taking the next step in Europe. I think they've been underwhelming in, in the champions league. Um, and, and, and we'll see what, what Conte can do. Cause it, it can be hard, I think to, to, you know, keep going from an achievement like this when you're not sure. like one of the absolutely biggest world-class sides in, in, in Europe. So, um, but yeah, huge achievement. Congratulations to all the Interisti. It's, it's incredible, obviously. Yeah. The, you mentioned the squad and I think the three players that you mentioned or three of the players that you mentioned, like very prominently, um, in Lukaku, obviously like, absolutely unbelievable this season he's he's looked every bit the player that you know i think people tipped him to be when he was coming up through the chelsea system um and and now he's really come good um in in a big way uh for this inter squad nicola barella has to be said like locked down a starting place in a conte midfield um over much more experienced and much more like lauded 
players mm-hmm. um, and really made that starting spot his own in that midfield. And then Hakimi, I think, I think Conte must laugh himself to sleep at night. Um, <laughs> like the fact that they were able to get Hakimi out from under the nose of, of Dortmund who had him on loan for two years. Um, well, it, and out of Real Madrid who just right. really took a penance for him. Yeah. And could have used Hakimi to be fair, <laughs> like could have used. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly. I mean, he, you know, he and Odriozola suffer from the same kind of issues of not being able to defend. But I think I would rather have him. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it works for Conte because he uses wing backs. So. Yep. Yeah. That that back three with the with the wing backs and how even a even a a squad signing like even Perisic, like how he fits into that left wing back spot so well and adds a yeah. couple of goals. Um, yeah, I think Conte's just, we used to, he, it used to be a little bit of a meme in that, you know, he was signing a lot of like old players like Ashley young and, um, and even like Darmian and like some of these United, uh, cast cast offs. Um, <laughs> but the squad in the end was, was just brilliantly balanced and carried out exactly what Conte wanted, wanted out of them. And yeah, well-deserved title victory for being, you know, far and away, especially in the second half, they were, they were clearly the best team in Italy. Um, And they, they did the business very professionally. It seemed there weren't a lot of nervy moments for this, for this inter team on their way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think that kind of brings up the next point, which is tactics. I think this team tactically gave you everything. I mean, all the goals scoring with the two men up front, Lukaku and, and Lautaro Martinez, but balance that out with the best defense in Italy in the three-headed monster of De Vrij, Skriniar, and uh, Bastoni. So just perfectly balanced squad. I think that was actually the big reason why AC Milan fell away. Um, to be honest, is just their squad's not as big and as deep yeah. <laughs> and as good. To be fair, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just just a really really good, well built, well balanced interside. And and you know, I think we you know we spoke about it kind of at the top of the segment about Juventus and their decline. It's definitely been a period of change at Juventus. Hiring of Andrea Pirlo was obviously meant to introduce kind of like a new era at Juventus. Yep. Um, one, I think. They wanted to be based more on attacking football and flair and all that kind of thing. And um, Inter have, I guess you could say, taken advantage, not quite in the Leicester sense, like you said, but but still, uh, Juve are clearly going through some growing pains and, yeah. and need to reassess because Cristiano Ronaldo's signing is, I mean, he's bagging tons of goals, but can we really say that the signing has worked out? I, I don't think so. Um, so, yeah. and I mean, some will say, you know, Inter... To be fair, they they had an early exit from the the Champions League. They finished bottom of their group, yeah. Uh, so they didn't even have to play Europa League, and um, you know they were just fighting on that one front. So, yeah, okay, I guess we can point that out. But I think right. still they were far and away the best team in Italy. Yeah, and and like you said, Juve Juve's I think their their biggest thing has just been they've struggled for for any sort of consistency um Mm -hmm. Ronaldo obviously has been scoring you know at his not his normal rate maybe but you know still still scoring pretty frequently but the likes of Chiesa and this kind of supporting cast that they built um 
it hasn't been super consistent, especially Dybala, I think is continues to be like in a, a, a little bit of a, a mystery at, at UVA. Um, and, and how did they get him producing at the levels that they, that they probably expect. Um, but yeah, there just hasn't been that level of consistency from, from really anyone else. Um, whereas inter obviously had, you know, I think just more reliable pieces, um, over the course yeah. of the season. And that's why right now, as it stands, Juve third, um, and nearly, nearly dropped points again today against Udinese, but, um, Ronaldo bailed, bailed him out, uh, in the last 10 minutes with a, a penalty and a, and another goal, at, at header at the back post. So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Atalanta, as I said, you know, are ahead of them. Um, and, and they are still, they have to be careful because they are still technically in catching distance from fifth place, Napoli and sixth place Lazio. Which is funny that we even say that. Cause now there's an air of like, we expect Atalanta in the champions league, which yeah. is <laughs> like bonkers. Um, Atalanta too have, have had their, their, uh, internal ups and downs with, you know, the Papu Gomez leaving and, and some players allegedly falling out with the manager and things like that. So, uh, Napoli too, haven't really, I think found the same level of stability that they had under Maurizio Sarri. Um, they've gone through some managers since then. Gattuso, I mean, he's, he looks like he's there for the long haul, but I think it still needs time to gel and probably they need to add some pieces to that, to that lineup. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was Inter's league to take. Um, and I'm curious what this means for the future of Italian football. Like is Serie A back, do you think, or is it on its way? Like, because this was the league in the nineties, you know, and, uh, people have been disrespecting it for a while now. (laughs) I mean, the nineties are back in a lot of ways. I like, I was in Ann Arbor a couple weekends ago. And being in a college town, seeing what the young people consider to be fashionable, I saw <laughs> I saw a lot of jeans and coats and tank tops and stuff that would not have been out of place in like a Spice Girls music video. <laughs> you seen a windbreakers? Windbreakers, anoraks. I think. <laughs> uh, what's the? Uh, we need yeah, a bubble need coats. A- <laughs> Stop it. I swear to God, I'm not even joking. Like it was crazy and like ripped baggy jeans, ripped high-waisted baggy jeans, like straight out of 1994. It's crazy. Absolute. So the nineties are back. Serie A is back. Like it is fashionable again. (laughs) I hope so. I hope so, man. Um, The top four race in Serie A is genuinely bonkers because Three teams are level on 69 points. Nice. Um, And then Napoli are two points back on 67. Lazio are three points back of Napoli with a game in hand. So there's like goodness. And they want a nail biter today. So yeah, any of these teams are potentially capable of qualifying or dropping out of the Champions League places um, from Atalanta down. So Mm. Wow. It's going to be a pretty wild run in uh, for for the top four. And it's wild to even think of Juve like not being in the conversation when it comes to the Champions League. They play AC Milan next Sunday. 
That's a huge match. Yeah. For both. I need Juventus in Europa League for reasons. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <just> <laughs> oh, I, man. I mean, on a serious note, if Juve don't qualify for the Champions League, they may as well kiss Ronaldo goodbye. Yes. Uh, I, I just can't see him playing at uh, Ludogorets or something. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> that's not really his style. Let's put it that way. Um. Yeah, so Juve Milan next weekend. They have Juve Inter uh, in a couple of Saturdays. Juve and Atalanta do still have the Coppa Italia final to contest on May 19th. So that'll be a a tasty one as well. Nice. I hope Atalanta win it. That would be incredible. Um, But yeah, there's, there's some big matches left. I think Napoli is the wild card here because if Napoli can figure out these, you know, if they can, if they can put some pressure on, they can make things really interesting for the teams above them. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, that is that is where we stand. Uh, so congratulations again to those Inter Milan fans out there. I mean, I know the Piazza Duomo was just absolutely packed with Interisti, and it was everybody was in in blue and black, just going absolutely crazy, honking their horns and everything. Um, and I'm sure stateside or, you know, around the world, Inter fans just absolutely beside themselves right now, uh, re- reliving or, you know, bringing the glory days back to back to M- Milan. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, congratulations again. Yeah. And uh, I think with that, we'll just take a quick break and come back. And we've got two big title races to talk about. Welcome back to hardcore football. Uh, Mika. High Liga. I see my league. Yeah. Uh, there is the most league. <laughs> the all mostest. the league. Yeah. All the league. All the league. <laughs> all the league. So um, for anyone who's been paying even like peripheral attention to La Liga this season, you know that the title race has been well at one point. It seemed like Atleti was going to run away with it. Now, in the last few weeks, any one of four teams could potentially still win the title. And this this weekend, it wasn't as chaotic as it maybe promised to be um, mm. at certain points of some of these games, but it remains up in the air. And uh, this this one is going to go till the, the final day, it seems. Um, Atleti has been the stumblers recently. Their form hasn't been great. But they do eke out a one nil win against Elche. Uh, Urente, the lone goal scorer, after a pretty impressive assist, it has to be said by by Yannick Carrasco. Yeah, the both of them have been really consistent performers in a inconsistent Atleti side at, in the second half of the season. It should be said, but you know they get a classic one nil win away at Elche, um, getting the job done after what was a really disappointing loss away to Athletic Club. So was really important for them to, to bounce back immediately. Um, there was some controversy in this one because Jan Oblak, I guess he came off his line during an LJ penalty, but the new guidance now is that if the keeper does not like actively affect uh, a miss, that they're not going to yeah. retake it. And that's a, that ends up, I, hopefully I explained that correctly, but that's, that's why it was not retaken. So yeah. if he had um, saved it, they would have retaken it, but because correct. it was a miss, yeah. Yeah, so 
Um, yeah, I mean, not a whole lot to speak about in this game. Just the fact that Atletico needed the points and and um, and they got it. Uh, huge matchup against Barca on Saturday. I think this is like as I mean, I I agree with you, Phil, that it's going to go down to the wire. But this does feel like the like final. I think between these two clubs, this yeah. uh, this this match on Saturday. So. Um, Real quick, Atleti's run-in is, of course, Barcelona. Then they have Real Sociedad, Osasuna, and Valladolid. So not like a horrible run-in, but not great either. Yeah. Um, I think Barca at the camp now is just massive. Um, and, I mean, the 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 way BN is marketing the game is like frenemies. Yeah, I saw <laughs> that. <he's> showing like <laughs> Leo Messi and, and Luis Suarez like juxtaposed in their colors and I mean, yeah, I feel like there will be no need to hype Luis Suarez even any more than to, yeah. to visit Camp Nou and, sh- and show them what they've been missing. So, uh, wow. you know, you know, it's serious when Bian has a mate pour in a commercial for a La Liga match. Like they <laughs> literally show. <laughs> someone pouring hot water into a mate cup like into the gourd yeah <laughs> yeah unbelievable um yes. no th- yeah that matchup it can't i don't think it's possible for this to be overhyped this is like yeah. short of a cl- a classico this is like the biggest match um of the run in and mm-hmm. if <laughs> i mean in an, it's an odd one because i think real madrid will be rooting for a draw um yeah the normally I'm sure Real Madrid fans root for Barca to lose or Atleti to lose, but they'll be hoping both their rivals draw and that way they can, they can seize the opportunity as Real did, um, did their business this weekend and, and got, got a win to keep pace and they're just two points back. Yeah. I mean, Real Madrid are of the three, I think the, been the most consistent they're unbeaten in, 14 games, I think, in La Liga. A couple draws are not helping, obviously, with the title charge, but um, they, I, I trust Real Madrid, even despite the, the injuries. I trust them more than I do the other two right now, uh, which people are saying, no way, it's like Barca's league to lose, but for some reason, I just, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I don't feel it, but we'll see. Um, Real Madrid's run in, though. Obviously, they have the second leg of the UCL semifinal against Chelsea, so that's that's, that's a big one. Yeah, um, you know they're the only one of the three still fighting in Europe, uh, and, and then of course they have Sevilla, which is huge as well because Sevilla are all of a sudden in this race. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that one's a, always a big match because Sevilla don't just like roll over for Real Madrid, mm-hmm. so um, that's a big one. Granada who just beat Barcelona yeah, and athletic club and then Villarreal. So that is a fucking horrible run. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that there's clubs that you look at and you, I, I don't know that it gets worse in terms of like, unless you're yeah. talking about having to play like, you know, Atleti, Barca, Sevilla, yeah. like Sociedad back to back to back to back. Right. But right. like, this run in Sevilla horrible in must win situations. Like we know yes. this, their history in the Europa League, they literally won the final again last year. <laughs> like when they're in, a, if they can mentally think of this as a cup competition, 
every team in Spain may be screwed. I don't know. Well, um, we spoke about Luis Suarez need, not needing motivation. Julian Lopetegui will not need any either. No, so. not against Madrid. This is, yeah, <laughs> a chance for vengeance. Uh, <laughs> Granada, not ever an easy out. I think we, I think we've seen that, um, athletic mm-hmm. club, horrible, um, to match up against in any sort of game where they feel like they can be spoilers. And I um, didn't note whether that was at home or away, but if it's at San Mames, then it is, that's, it is, uh, yeah. In Bilbao. Um, yeah. So yeah, San Mames, like that's, that's not a given. It doesn't matter where athletic club are in the yeah. table. It's never a given at San Mames. So, and no one, needs an invitation less than Unai Emery to just fuck things up. Uh, <laughs> so in the Villarreal, that Villarreal yes. match the final day, if Madrid go into that looking to clinch a title, um, I mean, yeah, Dracula may have other thoughts. Um, <laughs> Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it might be a bad evening, but we'll see. <laughs> well, we spoke about Barcelona and Barcelona, obviously in the title discussion as well. Today's match against Valencia, hard fought, seemed like they were going to be a lot more comfortable than they ended up. Um, Mm. But Valencia made them work for this one. And Leo Messi with a few moments of just magic once again for Barca. Yeah, I mean, it was the Messi show as it often is. He misses a penalty, but then he gets the rebound. Then they foul him on the edge of the area, which, like, you already know what's going to happen. Uh, you yeah. know, right on the edge of the area, free kick, messy. It's like a penalty for him. He cracks it off the post and in. Just wild technique. Like, the Gorgeous. man's a joke. Gorgeous. Um, joke. Like, he has, I think he's got, like, 50 free kick goals in his career. Like, oh most people... God. Most teams don't like score that many in like a decade. <laughs> like, and actually, apparently, that was his first one against Valencia. I don't know if that was in all comps or in the league, but oh wow, um, another victim, nevertheless. Crazy. <laughs> um, and then uh, Carlos Soler tried to to make it interesting with that long ranger. What uh, a hit! Ho- yeah, he only scores screamers or penalties. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but in the end, just wasn't enough for Valencia. They they drop all three points at home at the Mestalla. And it's been a tough, tough season for, for Los Che. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, um, Barca's run in harsh, <laughs> not as harsh as Real's, but yeah. Atletico Madrid, obviously huge, uh, Levante, who, as we know, like to lift, you know, their level for whoever they're playing and they can, yep. they can cause an upset or two. Celta Vigo, who, I mean, Chacho Cude has obviously turned their fortunes around. They were, bottom when he came in or near the bottom and and now they're they're fighting for a much better place in the table so that's not a given and then abar who i think are are relegated more or less so if not yeah. i don't know if it's official yet but it's not, not looking quite. good for yeah. for the uh the lads from the ipurua stadium so um yeah i mean they've got an easier last day but not a not a not an easy run in by any means no that it'll be yeah, maybe drew a little bit better set of cards than than Real did, but um Yeah. The other so the team that that has a, the most to say in the title race outside of the traditional big boys, I guess, is Sevilla. They play Athletic Club tomorrow. Mm. In their game in hand, you know, of this match day. Um 
that will obviously speak volumes into whether Sevilla are going to have anything to say in this title race uh, for the rest of of the season. But um, if they do get the win tomorrow, that would take them to 73 points, which is just one behind Madrid and Barcelona and just three behind Atleti at the top. Um, So, I mean, it puts them in with a chance, especially given the fact that they then take on Real Madrid the following Sunday. They have a chance to actually be like in second by next weekend. <laughs> that is absolute mad. I mean, inject it. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I want it this. all. Yeah. Like, like obviously as a, a Bethy sympathizer, like it's somewhat annoying on that level, but right. for the good of football, like, yeah. yes. And for the chaos, <laughs> just like for the chaos Sevilla, uh, then have Valencia, um, May 12th, which, Valencia, it's worth no, it's worth noting now are still just six points clear of safety with four matches left, and mm-hmm. it's not a comfortable position for Los Murcielagos. So hopefully, they're in a little bit better spot by the time they take on Sevilla, where a loss won't potentially like relegate them or something. Yes, um, yes, true. Then they have Villarreal as well. So Sevilla and Barca both have to, or sorry, Sevilla and Real Madrid both have to play Villarreal before the end of the season. And then Sevilla have Alaves on the last day. So, um, okay. Yeah. I would say there's no straightforward, like La Liga has been just that league this year where there is no straightforward match. There is no game that anyone's marking on the calendar as, oh, okay, three points. No one, yeah. no one can do that this season because every single team has been competitive in in some way, shape, or form. Which is why there is no no team has been relegated yet, and we're far from crowning a champion. Absolutely, I think La Liga is. Uh, I mean, maybe this is a hot take, but I think of the top five leagues in Europe, they're the one league where I feel like all of the teams are closer to each other in quality like there's there's more parity um yeah. in the middle and the lower reaches i mean even teams like huesca and hetafe are hanging out like yeah they probably will stay up you know and a bar who have a fractional budget like the fact that they're going down is no shame at all because they are tiny yeah. and still hang with the the big guys so um yeah la liga has been incredible if you're not paying attention pay attention now at least get in on the hype uh because the 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 four-way title races i mean this may not happen again we don't know if this is just like covid football or what Um, uh so let's just enjoy it yeah absolutely um and if you have a chance to sneak away and watch uh (laughs) and watch sevilla athletic tomorrow um on a month as far as monday night games go that is that's an absolute barnstormer and and given the fact that it has implications in the title race it's it's just yeah i'm gonna definitely be sneaking a peek uh from the office (laughs) um on that one um but yeah la liga has just been the gift that keeps on giving and lucky for us no team has had any sort of consistency to go on and (laughs) steal the title so yeah we get we get this exciting run in um but it's not the only league that is still up for grabs and the other i don't know that anyone obviously we've talked a lot about ligun on this podcast uh so far this season and for good reason i don't think any of us thought that 
Leal was still going to be top come May 2nd when we, when we're recording this now. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have a soft spot for Leal and, and I was wishing it. I was trying to manifest it, but the <laughs> fact that it's still like in their hands in a lot of ways is crazy. Um, and in the way that they've done it in these past couple of matches, I mean, winning <laughs> against PSG, yeah. huge. Um, obviously their, their performance yesterday was excellent against, uh, OGC Nice. They hosted them two nil really poor performance from Nice to be fair, but, um, Barack Yilmaz, like he's just continuing to write his legend and, uh, he's, he's at 13 goals and five assists in 25 games. So, I mean, there's just these pieces. I mean, Lille has a lot of young, talented players, but they've got this guy in his thirties, like coming out and just showing out, like had such a weird career trajectory. And, um, he, he just keeps like doing the business for them and like dragging these kids. It almost feels like to, to a title. And so, um, yeah, they've had an insane couple weeks. I mean, yeah. I'd be remiss not to mention the comeback victory against Lyon, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Lyon. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's just been crazy for Leidoc and uh, Christophe Gautier has got them playing like great stuff, too. Like they're not just like grinding it out, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, they can be that team, especially on the road, but they're just playing great stuff. I mean, Mehmet Zekicelic's like screamer volley like oh my god incredible. when i when i tell you like there there are goals that stick with you in the sense that like when you see it live you it it takes you back a little bit like yeah and the technique even watching it, there's some goals where you watch it in real time and you almost don't realize how good it is mm. um this was not that this was the opposite. This was like when you saw him take this almost like scissor like volley yeah. on the run. Um, it's one of those goals that just like when it hits the back of the net, you're like, oh, I've just seen something like very special. Yes. Um, yeah. Zeki Chalik's goal was absolutely unbelievable. If you haven't seen it, like go to YouTube right now and find Bian's highlights um, and watch Zeki Chalik's goal because it is just absolutely just, stunning. For the for those of you who love technique, like yeah, chef's kiss. It's <laughs> like yeah, I could watch that goal on a loop like for hours. Yeah. It's that good. And yeah. what I really appreciated about Bian's broadcast as well was before. Normally they save like stuff for social media or like after the game just a couple of minutes after the goal was scored, they showed every replay angle of the goal in a row <laughs> for like yes. a full, like 30, 40 seconds. They showed just different angles of the strike itself. And it was, I was like, this is the treatment that this goal deserves. Absolutely. And, and let, let's mention too, that he's a fullback. So yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. One, and had been one of the best fullbacks in France this year too. So for him to like find himself in that area, was just so like odd as well. Lille, um, Lille shirt sales in Turkey must be just like through the roof right now between, <laughs> for real. between Yomaz and Chalik. I mean, uh, too, yeah. yeah, Yazici as well. And, um, Yazici played a part in the, in the Yomaz winner. Um, Dude. He got the flick on for <laughs> for Yilmaz to run in behind. But this game, this game was, I think, 
as we start to address uh, at Ramos 5173's uh, question, thoughts on the French league title race, who do you you all tip to take the title? As we get to that, this sort of performance from Lille, where it's a 2-0 win, Granted, Nice were down to 10 men uh, early in the second half, and and rightfully so. Uh, yeah. Jordan Latomba avoiding a red card Crazy. in the in the first half somehow, um, and then getting his his second yellow and his marching order shortly after the restart. Um, but Lille did not allow a shot from Nice in this match, and. We talk about, you know, we talked about in the last couple of title races, just not avoiding those kind of nervy moments and being professional. Obviously, Lille are going to have some of these games where they're up against the Lyons and the PSGs where they have to grind it out. They have to, like, find a way to win against a team like Nice, especially in this season. Seeing Lille take care of business in this way has to be encouraging for their their title aspirations. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I will answer the Sharks question on the nose. I think we will win the title because of what they've shown in these past couple of weeks. Just the, the grit, the determination, um, playing like champions. Um, obviously, there's still a lot that can happen and we'll get into that. But they, they're acting like champions elect. And I think that's why I kind of trust them right now. Um, so we'll see. PSG um, stay just a point behind. They had a 2-1 win against Lens um, in the Parc des Princes on uh, Saturday. I watched this match, and as far as PSG wins go, Mm -hmm. this was pretty uncomfortable, um, and I think Lens probably deserves something from this match. You know, I think Lens are kind of like the Levante of Ligue 1, if you will. Like, they, they've they come up and just made people uncomfortable. I mean, yeah. they beat PSG on opening night all those months ago. So I, I didn't get to watch it, but I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, and Lille take on Lens in the David du Nord next week. So, yikes. It's... um. <laughs> It was described uh, that Lance gave PSG as good as they got, especially in the second half. But um, they they conceded to uh, Marquinhos uh, from mm-hmm. from that that corner. Um, his second, you know, headed goal from a corner. Obviously, the other one in the Champions League a little bit more prominent. Um, right, <laughs> but uh, that was actually Lance uh, Lance's first loss in league Un since January 23rd. <laughs> Holy shit. They had, they were unbeaten in they 13. Have no right. They were unbeaten they have, in 13. They have no right to like, yeah, be just like stunting like this. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they deserve something like watching that game against PSG. Uh, they ended, they ended the match with, um, with 15 shots, only three on target. And I can say for sure that with a little bit, more clinical finishing they they would have gotten a draw at least um but they created a lot against psg i think psg in this run-in have shown obviously they're still an incredibly talented team but are really distracted with the champions league right and i mean tell us about that run-in because they've got that second leg of the ucl coming up against man city that they kind of like 
trash themselves in the first leg. Yep. So what 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 are they going to be playing and what are they up against? They've got so they've got that match against City on Tuesday um in Manchester and I think like in the game against Lens Mbappe was rested uh who else who else didn't play? Um I mean Neymar played but he was subbed off um yeah, Acardi started up top. Verratti didn't start. Tilo Kerr didn't start. Angel Di Maria didn't play at all. Um, Rafinha came off the bench. Moise, Moise Kane came off the bench. Um, Kurzawa was rested. Um, yeah, uh, I I think Mbappe wasn't even in the squad for the Lance game, so I I think he was practically shipped up to Manchester ahead of time, um, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they approach the city game. And then um, they take on uh, in the four games after that. It'll be well, it'll be really interesting to see if they advance. They'll obviously have a Champions League final to think about um, on the back end. Um, And then uh, they have the French Cup semifinals as well, sandwiched in between these games. So they take on Stade Rene um next sunday then they play montpellier wednesday in the french cup semifinal then stad ream um the weekend after that and brestois um the final day of the season so not the toughest run in although rent is is probably the the tough the the trickiest match i guess um of these remaining but um but yeah it's a definitely an interesting little little run in for for PSG. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, like they, they could add more fixtures to this list depending on how they do. So, yeah. um, that's the other reason why I think Lille may, may end up taking this title is PSG might actually be more concerned with the champions league at this point. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the running for Lille, um, they actually take on Lance next. Um, yes. And Lance now having lost that unbeaten run, Leo will be looking to add, make it a, a second straight defeat. Um, and then, yep. then Sanatien and Angers on the final day. So, um, still far from straightforward for, for Leo and Sanatien in particular have been a lot better than mm-hmm. the version of Sanatien that started the season. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, I wouldn't say that any of these are write-offs necessarily. So, oof, Galtier's men just have to be on it. The um, the the other match that happened this weekend and actually ended just a little while ago um, was Monaco and Lyon, which has Champions League implications. Um, given that France, I think, only get what two automatic. Yeah, two group stage yes. qualifiers and then third place goes into the qualifying stages of the Champions League. Um Leon get a last gasp 3-2 win against Monaco to pull themselves within a point of the principality. Um <laughs> uh, I I almost am a little mad at myself for watching Valencia Barça instead cuz this was like <laughs> off the chain from what I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> I was following it, but not watching it. And, uh, 
Yeah, they get a they get an eighty ninth minute winner from Ryan Cherokee, who is a young young winger. Uh, I believe came through the ones set up, and, and yeah. he's very highly coveted. So, um, <laughs> I, apparently, there were like three red cards at the end of the game. Right at the end, and, yeah. Uh, Anthony <laughs> Lopez like punched two people in the face, like yeah. <laughs> not like as part of his goalkeeping, not because he was just like vi- you know, like, yeah looking for violence, but, um, <laughs> um, and like, apparently Prince Albert was like in the stands and was like furious at the way that he was playing, which Prince Albert is the Prince of the municipality <laughs> or whatever they're called. Of yeah. Monaco. So, yeah. um, just like absolute scenes. I wish I would have watched it. This may, I don't know that this saves Rudy Garcia's job, but I mean, it doesn't hurt because, yeah. you know, he'll have wanted to bounce back after what happened with Leo. So, uh, but disappointing for Monaco to say the least, but they still have that, that point over them, I think. So yeah, Monaco still in the driver's seat as far as qualification. Um, but Leon definitely getting themselves back in the, back in the conversation. Leon it's worth noting was down to 10, um, for the final 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Kakare was sent off for a really bad tackle, actually not dissimilar to Latomba's challenge on, <laughs> Well, on and Jonathan this, uh, yeah. Bamba, so and in the same kind of circumstances where the manager should have identified that and and saved the player, but instead yeah. they let Kakari play on on that yellow card and um yeah. and then uh, Pietro Pellegri, William Goobles, uh, and Mattia Decilio were all sent off in like at the final whistle for fighting <laughs> each other, basically. Um, <laughs> So I would just be like, you can't send me off if I leave first. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to go to the locker room. <laughs> DeShilio will be like the big miss, I think, for Leon in the next game. But Kakare being out as well, suspended for his red card. That's not that's, great as yeah, no, as things uh, head in towards the, the final days. Um, and Leon looks to get back into the uh, conversation because as it stands, they're headed for the Europa League next season. Um, but yeah. Lance, uh, <laughs> all eyes on Lance Leal, uh, next Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then PSG, I think don't play until Sunday. So it could be a long wait, uh, for any, it, it's going to be a delayed reaction in the French title race from Friday to Sunday of whether or not <laughs> someone, you know, has stumbled or, or taken advantage or whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's a, just a massive, massive stretch of games. Um, so now hold on. Who, who are you calling to win it? It's, it's tough to, um, I, I, I agree with you. I think, so I think Leal, I think this Leal team one has shown that they have the, the wherewithal and the, and the guts to see this out. Um, I think PSG are going to make it extremely, extremely tight, but, these extra fixtures and this emphasis on the champions league that PSG have right now, I think is going to do Lille a lot of favors. Um, it almost yeah. did them a favor this weekend again, uh, when PSG should have, should have actually, you know, dropped points against Lance and the performance was not great. Um, I think against a team like, you know, Stad Rene or, or um, I mean, even Reem, like they yeah. they they offer a threat so yeah if psg especially if psg beat city in the champions league i think leo will leo will win um 
but but I think they've shown that they can they can hang in there even in the toughest of circumstances uh you know being two nil down to Lyon they still found a way to to come back and win so I don't know Gaultier's got his you know special his special ingredients uh in (laughs) in the changing room um and uh you can just see too, like how much how much this means to Gaultier and the and the team, and um, so yeah, I think they're just more focused on it. Like uh, you know, it's yeah. not all always all about desire um, in football, but it helps. They want this more than PSG does. Um, if PSG had to choose, I think they'd choose the Champions League um, if they had to For pick. Sure. So, For sure. I think that'll end up being the difference. Hopefully for PSG's sake, they end up with one of those because if they swerve the champions, like or if they swerve Liga and so that they win the champions league and then don't win, like that's really bad. That's um, a yikes. <laughs> like the highest proportion. If they end up with a French <laughs> cup, it's like, that's, Bruh. that's a rough season for PSG for, you know, for a team, the, the size yes. and stature and resources of PSG. For sure. Um, so I think that we had one more question, right? On, yes. on legal. Yes. Um, yeah. At Goatfoot 21, Grant Sundberg, he asked, uh, does Tim Wea leave this summer, even if Leal win the league? So thank you for this question, Grant. Cause it allows me to like add more to your question than you asked, which is <laughs> what happens to this Leal side in general. Yeah. I have, I'm getting like Monaco vibes from this Leal side and that if, they win the title. I think they're going to be pulled apart. Yeah. Um, because there's so much talent up and down this this lineup. Um, Botman, Reynildo, Zeki Celic, Sumare, Bamba, Ikone, <laughs> Wea, yeah. like you asked. Mike I mean, Magnon. So, like, Mike Magnon. Yeah. I mean, best keeper in Ligon for me. Yeah. 18 clean sheets. 25 years so, old. And it's like when you list off the ages, too, of the important players. They're at ripe, like yeah. ripe for they're the like picking. Not, they're going into not quite into their prime, but like yeah. heading there. Yeah. So Baltman, so, 21. Yeah. Zeki Chalik is 24. Sumare is 22. Uh, Renato Sanchez is 23. Renato Sanchez. I didn't even mention him. Jesus Christ. Jonathan Bamba's 25. Akone is 23. Araujo's 24. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jonathan David's 21. Tim Way is 21. Like these are either prospects like that with some proven, you know, first division track records, uh, mm-hmm. at their young ages that you can spend some money on and, and build for the future, or you're buying an established, you know, professional, um, with, right. with a, you know, potentially a, a title win under the belt at 25 years old. So, um, yeah, yeah I do worry about this this Lille team. I worry about Gaultier going somewhere too. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, that he's apparently that he's had talks with Nice, but Nice deny it. Um, we'll see. There's been, I mean, what we haven't spoken about and all the, the footballing achievement that we have, have done so far is that it is quite like Rocky yeah. <laughs> higher up for Lille. There's, there's been some instability in the club. So, but Going back to your question on Huea, his contract, I believe, does not expire until 2024, so he's got a little bit of time uh, on paper. I think if this Lille side gets pulled apart, I don't know if that includes him, actually. I think he's still got a bit more growing to do um, 
alongside Jonathan David, who actually has been preferred to Hoya, um, mm-hmm. uh, to pair Brooke Yilmaz. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised either way, I guess, if he leaves. Um, but I think he's still, I think Ligon is still a good level for him right now. Um, and, and I don't know who, I mean, maybe a, a move to the Bundesliga or something, but that might actually be lateral depending on which side that he, he moves to. But, yeah. um, if there's anyone that like, I've lower on a list of like targets for other clubs. It's it's him. I think Zeki Chelik and and uh, Botman and and guys like that are and Sumare, who apparently is already linked with Leicester. Like I think those are higher on the poach list, if you yeah. will. So yeah, no, I I'd agree with that. I think I think the one the one thing going against Tim Way is he's he hasn't been able to lock down consistent starting appearances like for Lille. Um, obviously there was a period where Jonathan David was injured. I believe um, mm-hmm. where Tim way was playing a really important role, obviously, but um, yeah, like you said, I think he just has a little bit of refinement that's needed. And I don't know if the level of investment that Lille would probably, you know, demand in, in his sale. I'm not sure that teams are going to be willing to take that on. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, given the, the lack of kind of like long stretches of, of proven performance, he's obviously a very talented player and I think he'll, he'll come good. Like, I think he'll be, I think he'll be a fantastic, um, professional going forward, but, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how, how this all plays out and, whether, you know, Tim Weah, in the case that maybe a couple of these high profile or, you know, these these more consistently starting attackers, like if they're if they are poached by other teams, then maybe Tim Weah sees Lille as a really good opportunity to establish himself as a first choice yeah. player. You know, if if a couple of these players like do leave the club, maybe it's a chance to build something new that's like built around him, like rather than him trying to fit into this attack and he's competing for minutes with, you know, Jonathan David specifically. Um, so who knows? I mean, it could be, it could be, a um, an opportunity for him to kind of make that number nine role his own at Lille. And, Side note, I, for one, am happy if he stays because normalize Americans in League On. The fact that you're even asking this question <laughs> is a great step, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, this uh, this little side turning up trees at the moment and uh, and hopefully they can see this see this to the end. Um, as I glance at the League On table, I you know, we're, we're expressing all this shock and dismay over Lance Lance's unbeaten run. They are fifth. Jesus. They are newly promoted. <laughs> they are in like, fifth. They are above Marseille on goal difference. They oh are my, level oh on points God. with Marseille. I guess I hadn't peaked at the table in a while. Cause that's ridiculous. I've been staring at the top four so intently that I, that you missed didn't that. see yeah. the forest for the trees. Like I, <laughs> I didn't see the launch for the fifth place. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I mean, Ren are also in seventh. So like there's, yeah, there's just a lot of league on is like, look, I, I think that, um, Musa made this point on stadio is that legal appears to have, improved like across the board quality wise 
Uh, and I think you're seeing that <laughs> by yeah. seeing like teams like RC Lance in fifth and stuff. So it's great. Yeah. Lance uh, have been, have been super impressive, obviously since the new year started and uh, they're going to have a big say in the title race as they take on Lille this weekend. But, Oh man, can Lido get it done? It will be, it'll be awesome to see if they can. And you know, God, I if, hope so. if we can, there haven't been many positives during COVID-19, but if we can see the unseating of Juve and PSG from their domestic title perches, like that's at least some consolation in what has been an otherwise shit year. I mean, facts. <laughs> like, <laughs> inject that along with the vaccine, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, one down, one to go, I suppose. Yeah. Um, well, that brings us about to the end, Mika. And, and as we do each week, we have our Sounds of the Season Spotify playlist, which we add a couple of songs to each week. Um, you, the listener, can find it. If just by searching sounds of the season or hardcore football on Spotify um, and you can follow it and you'll get whenever we add new songs, uh, you will get them straight to the playlist. Um, so Mika this week, lots of potential vibes. Um, <laughs> so what is the vibe that you've chosen for your playlist editions? Oh man. Um, Okay, so my first choice is a song called I Want to Kill You by Citizen. Um, <laughs> that sounds way darker than I mean it to be. I, I mean, actually, I don't know that I have too much of like a reason behind it other than the, the title and like seeing what was going on at, at Old Trafford this morning and those yep. vibes. But also, this band is from Toledo, so shout out to you, Phil. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to citizen and shout out to Ohio for producing probably more emo bands per capita than any other state. <laughs> for real, for real. So yeah, just a good song. Citizen ha- needs to have a place on this playlist. Yeah. Um, my other one is just a, an ode to league on with uh all star by chunk. No captain chunk. Chunk is a French, yep. uh, like hardcore punk band, I guess you could say, or like melodic hardcore band. And I seen them live and met them and they're like really nice guys. And I mean, this kind of music is not like super popular in France. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, it's kind of a meme choice cause it's a cover of smash mouths, like, you know, Shrek anthem all star, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's a good cover and, uh, they're, they're a fun band and I just wanted to give a shout out to France with that choice. So I love it. Yeah. That's a, that's a good shout. And I, I think like I'd best describe their sound as like bro core <laughs> that, I mean, precisely it's like, <laughs> f- like four years strong, but make it Paris. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like more bro. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I, uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy some of their stuff cause it is just like over the top, like poppy, yeah. but like, I don't know. They kind of don't also, take themselves like, in, like, like super drop seriously. B, like they also have like hardcore breakdowns. Yeah, too, so. exactly. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Speaking of, speaking of heavy, uh, so this band I've included on the playlist before, like moths to flames. Um, but they just dropped a, a new single, I guess. So two songs. Mm. Um, but the one that they dropped is, uh, I thought was fitting given 
all of this discussion around Manchester United's ownership and maybe how they leveraged debt and everything uh, in their <laughs> sale or you know their purchase of the club. Um, so like Moth to Flames, their new song Inherit the Tragedy uh, is that's that's what I've <laughs> got. Um, it that song, like if you like heavy music, then this song is just so good like it's so intense <laughs> but it's got like a really good hook in the chorus too it's just like the perfect blend of just being super heavy but super catchy and it's awesome um and then the other song that i've chosen is also from like a new ish release from a band called outline and color who they've been around for a while but they have always kind of been on the fringe i feel like of being like They've never been like a really popular, like alternative band. Um, but I've always really liked their stuff. And so they had a new, um, EP that they dropped, uh, as part of, it was like, they released this year, like a two part EP rather than like a full album. They did imposter syndrome and imposter syndrome part two. Um, (laughs) and so on part two, there's a song called goodbye to my friends, which I've included, uh, on, on this, Um, and it's just a, it's a song about like, um, basically like giving up a lot, but like, Hey, I've been burned enough times. Like I know better now. And like, I'm just going to move on. That's like Manchester United fans. It's like, Hey, we've like, we've given up a lot. Like we, you know, you've taken some stuff from us. Um, and so there's a line like I try and I, I try to fight a war that you've already won. Um, and that that just felt it felt right where it's like, you know, there is this kind of power dynamic. But, you know, how much have the owners already like kind of won that battle with the fans, um, you know, as much as we can, right. as much as we can, you know, fight against it. It's like, have we already kind of loss i know that's bleak uh, it's a bleak way to end the show but <laughs> i mean that's real that's yeah. real <laughs> and this will have a, a little bit more chill vibe i think than than many of my songs or a little more like down vibe than many of the songs i i put on the pocket or on the uh, playlist but um nice. but yeah it's uh it just felt it felt right when i when i was listening to it i was like yeah this is the this is the one um but yeah so hopefully you guys check out the playlist i think like I don't know. I enjoy it. So I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Sometimes you don't know what you want to listen to. So that it's, it's nice. Cause I could just throw that on and not think about it. So exactly. And I know <laughs> I've noticed like the number of people following, like has been increasing steadily. So thank you guys for, for following along and hopefully yes. you're enjoying along with us. Um, and, uh, yeah, just a nice little companion to the podcast, which is also available for some, you know, following on Spotify. So you get the new episodes in your feed and Spotify recently has done a lot of quality of quality of life improvements to the app. So you can actually see when we drop a new episode and it'll actually like let you know with a little blue dot that, hey, they nice. have a new episode. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's that's helping out. But any podcast platform that you guys enjoy, we're available on. And like I said, at the top of the show, you can follow us at HXC football on Twitter. Um, Mika primarily it's Mika's takes primarily. So if like you if, you, <laughs> if you're coming for somebody like it, it's not me most of the time, oh although I may gosh. masquerade every once in a while. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Most like eighty percent of the time, it's it's me. Most likely, <laughs> maybe even more than that. <laughs> All right. Well, that is that is just about it. And um, until next time, I hope everyone is hanging in there, having a having a decent time. Hope you're, you know, getting vaccinated or whatever whatever it is. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully, we're not far away from seeing live sporting events and particularly football in all of our near futures. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, guys. Peace.